everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm Casey Cook-Telionis, and I'll be your guest host for this special podcast series. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. We are less than a week away from our annual leadership conference, What's Right in Education, on Wednesday and Thursday, October 27th and 28th. This is an event I look forward to every year. Before going to my first What's Right in Education in July of 2018, the closest I'd been to educators was the many years I'd spent as a student. Those two days forever changed my perception of those who work in education. I left What's Right in Education with a clear picture of the passion, dedication, and commitment that educators have for their work. The care and concern to make schools the best place possible for children is imminent. Now, as I turn to next week, I'm excited to hear the stories of bold leaders who are undeniably committed to continuously improving their school districts and communities. Despite an extremely challenging year and a half for educators, great work has been done and we have so much to celebrate. I hope I see you virtually at What's Right in Education. If you're not yet registered, visit studereducation.com slash events to learn more. Speaking of bright spots and much to celebrate, this is the last episode of a special series featuring four of our partner organizations. We revisited interviews with leaders from the School District of Menominee Falls, T Area School District, and Lac de Flambeau School District. And today we will hear from the leader of Estacada School District in Oregon. In April of 2020, All four of these organizations shared their stories of success in uncertain times in the American Association of School Administrators, AASA magazine. We also brought these four leaders on our show to discuss the practices they use to help their districts and communities thrive. This week, we will revisit our interview from episode 181, How Can We Improve Employee Engagement and Communication? This conversation is with Ryan Carpenter, the superintendent of Estacada School District. Ryan shares with Janet how his team navigated two crises at once and supported 1,800 students, families, and employees who were displaced from their homes. Estacada is lucky to be led by a bold leader who looks to strengthen his ability to develop leaders rather than manage leaders. Throughout this episode, you will hear how this team remained resilient through complex challenges beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. Many leaders in all organizations had to deal and battle with different crises that occurred really throughout this pandemic. But on the very first day of school this fall, a major wildfire really started inside of our 750 square mile school district boundary in Estacada, Oregon. And this fire required the entire school district to evacuate for seven days, which was a mass displacement of our families, our students and our employees. Uh, It required a school district who was already beginning a school year in a completely different model and operation to switch to a crisis response mode right out the gate, preparing school sites for emergency shelters, preparing our locations to become a central command area, 
for all first responders, and even using our buses and our bus driving force to evacuate assisted living facilities. And so this, uh, this mass evacuation also displaced our leaders. And so it required for us to find new and innovative ways to connect as decisions were being made fast. And the need to cascade that communication was so critical. The one thing that we learned is there was so much emotion that was being communicated from the community community, from families, from employees, uh, that we really need to, needed to be careful to make sure that we were making good decisions that was focused more on evidence and data, not solely based on the emotion. And so ultimately that Riverside fire, as it was named later, burnt 138,000 acres oh of gosh. our school district and destroyed a little over 150 structures. So it was a big deal for us at the beginning of a school year when we're trying to learn how to teach during a pandemic as well. The Riverside Fire started September 8, 2020, and quickly spread 17 miles in just one day. As Ryan explained, all of Estacada had to be evacuated, and this was just the first day of school. The first day students returned after being suddenly sent home the previous spring. Over the past year, we've heard many leaders on this podcast share that they've never experienced a challenge as great as the pandemic. Can you imagine combining the first day back to school during the pandemic with a raging wildfire that threatens the entire town's livelihood? Before we get back to how Ryan's team responded so well to these events, let's think about something Ryan just said. There was so much emotion that we needed to be careful that we were making decisions based on evidence and data. So why is it important to make decisions based in data rather than emotions or say your gut? The research covering emotions and decision-making is quite extensive. Even so, there is still much work to be done. Emotions absolutely have a role to play in the decisions we make, whether we want them to or not. The 2015 Annual Review of Psychology summarizes several major conclusions from the past 35 years of research on emotion and decision-making. The first is that emotions constitute potent, pervasive, predictable, sometimes harmful, and sometimes beneficial drivers of decision-making. Across different types of decisions, important regularities appear in the underlying mechanisms through which emotions influence judgment and choice. And lastly, whether a specific emotion ultimately improves or degrades a specific judgment or decision depends on interactions among the cognitive and motivational mechanisms triggered by each emotion and the default mechanisms that drive any given judgment or decision. Once activated, some emotions can trigger more systematic thought. Ultimately, we can't avoid emotions altogether while making decisions, but we can be careful and thoughtful in our approach when we know emotions are high. Even during extremely time-sensitive situations, it is worth the extra hour to gather as much information and analyze as much data as possible before making a decision. Next, we will continue to hear from Ryan about Estacada's response and crisis communication tactics. And I just have to share as someone who is trained in crisis communication that you are about to hear an A-plus response that would make an incredible case study for students and other education leaders. As Cicada's team didn't react to these crises, they were prepared and ready to respond to the simultaneous emergencies. We knew that our community needed to get out immediately. 
But we also knew that that would expose so many families to the virus itself. We had families who were living in RVs in a parking lot at the mall. Um, we had families who were moving in with other relatives, etc. Fortunately for our team, we had proactively worked to prepare for events such as these. Uh, we had many tabletop exercises that kind of prepared us to work well uh, as an aligned system. Our greatest challenge during the evacuation was taking inventory of our employees and students. And so our leaders were checking in on our employees and our employees were checking in on our students. And so fortunately, again, our district, thanks to great partnership with student education, we had already hardwired some systems that allowed us to accelerate our connections during this very challenging time and rounding and daily huddles were our primary driver to collect the data to allow us to make the best decisions for our district and our community. If a major crisis were to hit your community, do you have a plan in place to locate your employees or students and families? And if you do have a plan in place, do you know when that's last been updated? This is an important element of a crisis response plan for any organization. Whether you are dealing with an internal or external emergency, such as a wildfire, Thanks to social media, a crisis can become world news in a matter of minutes. It's likely your organization will face some sort of crisis or difficult situation requiring the organization to communicate with the public and the media. How an organization responds to a crisis can be the difference between a ruined reputation and a trusted brand. The organization's employees, stakeholders, and the public deserve transparency during these critical situations. That's why Ryan used two tactics rounding and daily huddles, which he explains more about now. You know, during this crisis, and, and really the reason why we wrote this article for AASA was building that resilience. And it was building that resilience in this crisis that allowed us to really reflect on some things that we knew were having a positive impact as we were reacting so quickly to so many different changing situations. But of those two, you know, we, we really would like to give credit to rounding, which we believe is a quick and sustainable way to keep boots on the ground and ensure that we, the school district, the organization are listening to our frontline employees and responding quickly to the needs and concerns, as well as collecting data to measure if the improvement actions currently in our systems are achieving their desired results. So for our leaders who are listening at this time and who continue to listen, and they're, they're not just hearing about, you know, what's going on in the hallways, but they're hearing about actions and rounding. If you're a leader who's rounding for the first time, by the way, uh, or are hearing about rounding for the first time, it's really easy to do and so valuable. In fact, I think it's the most important action that the leaders inside the Estacada School District do. And just really quickly, in Estacada, we ask four questions. What is going well? What can we celebrate and who has helped you be successful? What barriers exist for you right now? And do you have anything else that you need to be successful in terms of resources? So in the, in the wildfires that we're talking about today, we just quickly changed those four questions as we started rounding with our employees. And these questions were th these four questions. Are you in a safe place? Do you know of any employees or teammates who need help? 
Do you have the resources that you need to continue to work and keep teaching while displaced? And have you begun checking in with your students? And if so, what are you hearing? And so our ability to pivot because we had hardwired collecting this data and checking in with our families and, and our employees prior to, our leaders were able to collect this data and then they were able to cascade it across the organization in our daily leader huddle. Combining the practice of rounding with leader huddles kept every stakeholder in a Cicada school district informed while they were displaced from their homes and workplaces. This is just one example of the versatility and the power of rounding. There's a reason that Ryan said this is the most important action for leaders. Rounding builds relationships and demonstrates our care and concern for people's ideas and well-being. The practice itself was adapted from the healthcare setting and is now used across a variety of industries. In fact, the more often employees meet with their leaders, the more engaged they are. The value is in the connection itself. The first set of questions Ryan shared is a great starting point for leaders who haven't been rounding with employees. Over time, it's helpful to recognize that rounding isn't one size fits all, and there are many ways to modify rounding to meet the needs of your stakeholders, like Ryan demonstrated with the second set of rounding questions. While rounding, our focus as leaders is on listening, connection, and support. To effectively build relationships, leaders round with individuals on a consistent basis. This consistency is critical to building trust and strong relationships. To best meet our employees' needs, the organization's goals, and serve our customers, we consistently connect and listen. This may look different depending on the organization, and that's okay. There isn't a wrong way to round, unless you're not doing it at all. Here are a few other ways to modify our suggested rounding questions. Instead of what's working well, you might want to ask, what are you most excited about working on right now? Or, as you reflect on the past 30 days, what moment or accomplishment are you most proud of? Instead of asking, do you have the resources you need to do your job? You could also ask, are there any tools or resources competitors in our industry are using that we should explore? Or can I clarify any information or communication you've received recently from our organization? In place of, is there anything I can do better to help you perform well? You could ask, what is your biggest pain point or obstacle right now? Or what is your personal career goal this year? How can I help support that? And lastly, instead of, is there anyone who has been especially helpful to you? You can consider asking, what team wins can you share with me? Or can you share a recent example of a colleague role modeling one of our values? When we first begin rounding with our teams, we may find that we need to dedicate more time to these conversations. If individuals haven't been meeting regularly with their leader, there may be a few obstacles to overcome together as you get started. It takes time to establish a relationship where employees can feel safe to reveal barriers and innovative ideas. As you continue this rounding cadence, you'll see that these conversations take a more positive turn and even find that there are less barriers to overcome. At this time, we often see leaders begin to adjust their rounding questions to more specific projects, external events, development, and individual needs. Leaders may decide to add other questions to the rounding conversation, such as, how are you feeling about your workload right now? Or do you feel you are able to manage your stress level well? These are just a few ideas. The possibilities are endless, as well as the difference rounding can make for employees in your organization. 
But through our daily leader huddles, we were able to listen to updates from every single leader in our organization. They were able to reach out for supports and the needs from each other. And then as the superintendent or the CEO, I was listening for areas where leaders were stuck. And through this process, I was able to work one-on-one with leaders to support them, to grow them, and to strengthen them. And so I'm proud because instead of defaulting to crisis mode or management mode, our hardwired work and installment of evidence-based leadership allowed me to keep developing our leaders as they were leading through the crisis. And so it was so impactful for us to work through that together as a team. For many, the words continuous improvement trigger thoughts about lean, agile, and other systems and process methodologies. However, we often hear from experts that the real work of continuous improvement is building the capacity of people. Systems and processes can facilitate that work, but it's the people who get the work done. Ryan understands the value of developing people at every level so that he can lead the work, not manage the work. Developing people takes time, but it's worth the investment. The time you spend now will be time saved when the next crisis hits. As leaders, we are more successful and it's more rewarding to lead a team of people doing the work rather than trying to do all of the work ourselves. Let's take marketing, for example. There are hundreds of different skills you could master. There's website design, email automation, social media marketing, audio video production, sales enablement, brand positioning, product positioning, market analysis, and I could continue on for quite a while, but I think you catch my drift. It's not realistic for one person to be an expert at everything, but it is realistic to develop a team of expert leaders. Now, before we close today, here are three important pieces of advice from Ryan. I would first recommend don't lose sight of the data. Intentionally collect data to help make informed decisions instead of emotional decisions during a time when emotions are heightened. I would recommend to create an effective, short, and sustainable framework for collecting and sharing wins to help sustain motivation, especially when motivation is running low or when fatigue is high. You have to collect your wins and you have to share the good things of your journey as well through the process. I would also just encourage leaders to listen to your staff in your community and make decisions that align with their vision and their needs. And alignment becomes even more crucial during a crisis. And you've got to have those arrows pointing in the right direction. And then lastly, I would recommend hardwiring best practices in place before emergencies happen and practice for all types of emergency events so that exceptional response to urgent situations becomes muscle memory, not reactionary. To communicate effectively, we need to learn to become good listeners. Listening is not only essential for leaders, but it was also identified as one of the top skills employers seek in entry-level employees, as well as those being promoted. Listening effectively increases trust, the ability to solve problems, and assists with building deeper relationships. Employees who use active listening are better equipped to reduce conflict, have a deeper understanding of the organization's strategy, and are more productive. Throughout this interview, Ryan stressed the importance of listening to his community and his team before thoughtfully responding. Rather than running on emotions, their team relied on tried and true practices and avoided making emotional-based decisions. 
Despite the challenges, Estacada's team intentionally listened for the bright spots. You can follow Ryan's advice to keep your team motivated by keeping a constant pulse on wins through team meetings and digital communication channels such as Microsoft Teams or Slack or any other kind of collaboration you use to communicate across your organization. Remember, higher performance comes from employees who feel cared about and appreciated. This week, reflect on how you can make your team and community feel cared about and appreciated. Are you spending enough time listening to their needs? When you make decisions, are they based on these conversations and what the data reveals, or are they rooted in emotion? Lastly, remember Ryan's advice. Don't lose sight of the data. Listen to the community and employees to harvest and celebrate your wins and hardwire best practices before emergencies happen. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. We look forward to connecting with you again on Monday as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. I hope you have a great weekend.